You are listening to the Transformation Podcast and I'm your host, Kim Deans. Join me for conversations with inspiring farmers and consultants who are transforming lives, relationships and landscapes. We'll explore how we we can be the change we wish to see in the world. This is the third episode I've recorded of the Transformation Podcast and I'm really excited today to be talking to Nicole Masters. Nicole is an agroecologist and the Director of Integrity Soils. She specialises in regenerative systems of agricultural systems and their management and works in New Zealand, Australia and North America. This conversation, I'm sure, will inspire you to take simple, practical actions in your farm and landscape management. Welcome, Nicole. (laughs) Hi, Kim. Thanks for having me. Uh, Thanks so much for being here and and joining us for this chat. um, I'm sure we're going to have fun and hopefully won't talk too long because there's always so much (laughs) to talk about. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear, I guess I usually start my conversations with getting you to tell us a little bit about your farm consulting journey and, and, and mm. what, you, what the work you've been doing with farmers around the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a big open question because there's so mm. much that's happening at the moment. And, I, you know, I've been involved in this field for for 20 years and just to see that suddenly something that you know seems so obvious that everybody should be doing and passionate about we are seeing the fruits of that labor um, ripen really you know and so it seems that this conversation around regenerative agriculture and soil and transformation is happening um, across the planet so you know for me it's it's really exciting and certainly on the ground um, just that real freshness and excitement, um, you know, if that's with farmers or ranchers or, um, you know, anyone producing food, starting to really consider what is it that the consumer wants and, and how do we provide um, food for people and um, without it being kind of woo-woo or alternative, like that kind of um, I guess barrier feels like it's dissolved because actually this is just common sense. Um, Mm. Yeah, so it, it's exciting times. It is, and you've been consulting with farmers for quite a while now, um, mm. and passionate about soils. How yeah. did you? How did you get so passionate about soils? <laughs> um, I think the question actually is: is why is everybody else not passionate about soils? <laughs> yeah. like, for me, it was like um, I think you know I studied soil at, at university, and certainly a light went on. And I'm not even sure what, what aspect of soil it was that got me so excited when I was at, at university. Um, you know, I was, I had my own, you know, vegetable gardens. And I actually went on to manage um, community gardens in my, uh, after I left mm-hmm. um, university and just, um, I think just really connected to, you know, this is the source if we're talking about food quality or concerns about greenhouse gases or water quality. Um, mm-hmm. That I think that everybody, can relate to soil in different ways that it's just probably never come to their attention that, Oh wow, actually soil is absolutely essential and um, something that we have just, yeah, been ignoring. Yeah. It's so Um, essential to life, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think my journey really deepened. I moved back to, to the family farm and was living with my father other and um, I was a single parent at the time and finding it really hard to find work in a rural community and um, he helped me buy a it was an advert in the paper it says 
deceased worm farm estate. <laughs> he oh. was like, look at this. I'm like, I don't know what that is, but yeah, let's go and have a look. And um, yeah, it ended up being just a fantastic um, mm. business that kind of really worked around being a single parent. I mean, I could throw <laughs> my son into the middle of the worm beds mm. and he could, you know, rummage around and he was, he was the chief um, calcium applier so he'd, he'd be out there in the calcium throwing lime all over the place and it just worked in really well with the rhythms of of having a small child you know and and um, there was this real interest in um... <laughs> are you there yes <laughs> yeah my son rang and he was saying about ignoring phone calls and then he, was, um, he heard you talking a, about him <laughs> he must have oh yeah rang the couch i have to tell him that um but yeah they just there was this real interest in and what's the quality of the worm castings that you're making and um you know some of my early um people that were interested in worm castings were the marijuana growers, which is still illegal in new zealand but yeah. um you know they they knew that if you planted your plants in this product, then you wouldn't have to water them. You wouldn't have to worry about applying nutrients and you could actually leave them untended uh, for six months and then come and harvest your crop because obviously they don't want to be coming mm -hmm. in and out and checking on their crops. So <laughs> it, um, I learned how to make different products based on what was the end, where was that vermicast going to go? So we were making, well, I was making a very high fungal product for avocados. I was making a balanced product for pasture and one that was slightly bacterial for the, for the, um, for the marijuana guys. And um, yeah. And so it was just this, just this delight and what can we do with worm castings and just, you know, Wow. Yeah, working with worms is so fun. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And so cool. Mm. And what a great way to get started and bring all the soil stuff together as well. Because, you know, yeah. I think a lot of our soils are so depleted in earthworms now. So that's becoming yes. right to the front foot of restoring soil health is getting our worms back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's quite interesting because they compost worms, yet um, earthworms respond to it. So you can see dramatic increases in... Um, earthworm numbers just with uh, tinier bits of a worm extract. So we're talking kind of five to 20 litres per hectare of an extract will just, you know, really stimulates worms. And, and part of that is quorum sensing, which mm. some of your listeners probably aren't familiar with, but this idea of um, soil signals and, and signaling different types of biology, which, you know, turns the worms on too. Yeah. How exciting. Yeah. So I, I guess some, um, over the time since then you your business has grown and you're consulting over the whole world with farmers mm -hmm. in New Zealand Australia mm -hmm. North America um, mm -hmm. what sort of observations are motivating your consulting methods because it's a very much a soils first approach um, but it's yeah. the whole business doesn't it yeah and I think um, I mean it's kind of how the whole business operates and it's sort of where the, I guess the name integrity soils comes from too you know it's around um, having integrity in conversations with people and having authentic, heartfelt relations with people because at the end of the day, agriculture, well, it's culture, you know, it's mm. about people. So how do we interact with each other and how are people interacting with the land then affects those those outcomes. So it's a very people-based um, approach to consulting. And, and actually, um, yeah, I mean, we're moving away from consulting and that kind of arrangement. Like, it's very much coaching and working alongside people and, you know, what are your goals, what are your commitments? And what's really interesting is you find 
um, you know, pretty much all farmers and ranchers think of themselves as stewards of the land, but there's a disconnect between some of the actions that happen on land to what people are committed to. And so, you know, I'm very much about how do we get connected to what, what do we care about? Why are we farming in the first place? What, you know, are you doing this because you want to look after land? Are you doing it because you want to be profitable? Are you doing it to, you know, have a place for lifestyle or for your kids to return to and just getting really deeply connected to what is that that we that we want and then how do we go about that because soil is at the foundation of all of it um you know i was talking to a, a canadian client and you know he said he wanted a boat you know that was his like that's what he <laughs> wants to be able to do is go and have time out and it's like okay well how do we go about um being able to have time out and being able to take time away from the, the farm and how those buildings to our health enable you to do that. Um, mm. So it is quite an interesting conversation around um, getting connected because if people are connected at a heart level, that's where behavior change happens. That's where we can interrupt habits or interrupt um, systems that really aren't working that are very difficult because there's a, this inertia to change. You know, there's such a yes. resistance to change. Whereas if people are connected, um, with what they care about. It actually gives them um, momentum to get over that inertia because then it becomes like abhorrent to do some of the current practices because actually that doesn't fit in with what you care about. And yeah. that, that might be a, um, you know, a practice with applying, say, a neonicotinoid to a seed. Once you start realizing what is that impacting on the whole soil food web and on um, plant health and plant physiology, then there's no way you could be doing um, neonics. Mm -hmm. um, and they just don't fit in, in, in that system or that paradigm we were going to. So, yeah, it, it, yeah, it becomes supporting people and what their long-term goals are. Yeah, and you're connecting them back to what they want and also connecting them to nature and the wisdom mm -hmm. of nature and how we can get it working better for us in our farming system so we're not trying to beat nature into submission. We're actually working mm -hmm. with nature, which is so much yeah. more rewarding. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's so much more rewarding and it takes far less effort because you're mm. actually not pushing up against nature. Um, That's right. You know, and a lot of the questions would be, how does this work in nature? How, you know, what are these cycles? Like, when are we carving? Is that actually when wild animals are carving, you know, or having their mm. young? Because that's when your, nutri you know, nutrition's at a peak. That's when, you know, lactation's going to be highest. Or, uh, you know, is this crop actually suitable for this ecotype? Like, what... How does it work in nature? All right, we want to get more diversity into the system. Mm. Or we want to have more biocontrols or insects or whatever it is to get these things in balance. Or what is the, um, the microbial community that would um, coexist with this particular plant instead of trying to like put grasses into trees or trees into grasses, for instance, because totally different biological community. So it's, yeah. it's very much looking at, you know, how, how would this work in nature? Because that's where it gets easy. That's when the system really starts to look after itself. And yeah. that's where the magic and the real excitement is. And I don't mean to use magic like in a, yeah. um, a woo-woo kind of sense, but in terms of actually this is where systems really start to work and, and profitability really starts to happen. And, yeah. you know, obviously if, if producers are not profitable, then we're just not going to continue to farm in some of these landscapes. And that, that for me is really just gut-wrenching. It is. And it's about having profitable businesses, but nourishing food as well. And, mm -hmm. and it yeah. all goes hand in hand when, when you work with nature. Um, yes. Yeah. And I loved what you said about connecting people to, you know, their heart space and what they want with their landscape, because I think mm. 
a lot of the time we can know in our head that we, we want to change, but it's hard to actually move from knowing mm-hmm. to doing. And I yes. guess that, that angle is what helps people to gain some momentum and move and change their business. Is there mm-hmm. anything else mm-hmm. you'd like to add on how we, you know, as in our farm management, we can move from knowing that there's a different way to actually doing it. Cause there's often blocks that come up in that journey when farmers try and change their system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. What have you yeah. there? Um, well, I think in part, um, part of that is just having support mechanisms to enable you know, an easier transition or, or to, to, to change some things or, you know, to find someone that you trust and find someone that you can, who will mentor your, you or another farmer in the area maybe who's trying things that you can feel like, actually, I can have confidence to do that. Um, yeah. Well, the trialing itself is quite interesting. I've got, um, I've got some clients at the moment, they're a 30,000 acre operation. And when I started working with them, they went, we, we don't want to trial stuff. We're not interested in trialing. We want to do the whole thing. And for me, that was quite intimidating because it was a new area I'd never worked in I didn't know anything about the mm. the um, environment but um, when I talked to them later about why it was that they didn't they didn't want to trial something he said if you've got two feet in the fire I'm not going to take one foot out to see if it feels better he's like we are so clear that where we're going in terms of our inputs and um, declines in soil health this system just isn't working and I'm not interested in trialing it it just feels like a waste of time so he's like find those people that have already done the trials and so you can go all right we know that this is going to work in this region so let's just yeah go for it Um, but it is having um, I guess some yeah, trusting in those people that are around you. Um, mm. You know, and I think seeing this industry just explode, there are so many, um, there are so many products on the market and not all of them um, are going to be great products or fit with what you're doing, which comes down to, you know, talk to people that have been doing something for a while and talk to the farmers. Don't talk to the supply companies. Say, okay, you've got, you got a product here. Can I talk to a client of yours that's been using this product for four or five years and, you know, I want to see what kind of results they've actually had. And the other question would be to ask is make sure that those um, farmers aren't actual shareholders of the companies because we've found mm-hmm. that in the past too. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, just, yeah just get some independent independent advice and I think too the other thing is to is to benchmark um some of the soil changes not what I find is people often aren't doing the monitoring to assess what have the changes been and are those changes stacking up and bottom line Mm. benefits so you know if if your program might maybe it's costing you another $20 extra are you getting that back can you measure that and it might be something like infiltration you know and a lot of um, soils in your region are you know they're they're either water repellent or they're not um, they might even be hydrophobic they're not Mm. absorbing water like they should be we'll start having a look at how well is my soil absorbing water because you might not see a yield change in the first couple of years but what we're seeing is water is now entering and holding on in those soils so if you don't benchmark that you don't know that for yourself then it's really hard to to kind of keep up the momentum when you're not necessarily seeing yield improvements um yeah 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 and I think monitoring what I notice with farmers when I'm working with farmers is that monitoring is not high on their list of priorities but it gives you such powerful information to make decisions and to pick up an unintended 
consequence of something that you, you're using or changing in your business. And if you're monitoring, you yeah. pick it up quicker, you can take action, you know if it's working or you know if it's not or if mm. there's something else happening out some, because you're mm. managing such a complex system. Um, and I guess just working with people to help you find the right things to monitor for what you're yeah. looking for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a question of not just benchmarking or monitoring for the sake of it. Like yeah. I know people that have got 20 or 30 years of monitoring data and photographs and, you know, um, they can tell you what kind of ground cover they've got, but it's never actually informed their management. They've never actually changed anything. They've just got 30 years of data mm. and it's like, well, what are you going to do with that? What, what has it actually informed? So it's got to be something that does actually either inform a management decision or or really you know affirm that you're on the right track or yeah like you said just quickly avert if you are heading for some unintended consequences so I think it's um yeah people say that they don't have time to monitor I actually think that you 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 don't have the time to not monitor because it, Mm. it it's something that gives you um such quick feedback like you know I really we do a lot of plant tissue testing and I really think that that can give you some valuable insights particularly um you know, if you're thinking about pests and diseases, they're all attracted to imbalances of, um, you know, either proteins or trace elements in the in the plant, and so we can use that as a as a pre warning for actually, yeah, you're going to have some issues later on in the season. What can we start to do um, to support plant health to mm. to get there? So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, yeah, the more stuff that informs management decisions, the better. Yeah, definitely. And it's such a powerful process of change and knowing when you're implementing that change that you supported and you've got the, the data to back up decisions mm-hmm. when you're getting nervous or, you know, it's, a, it's unfamiliar territory when you start to change what you're doing. So yep. it's really yep. valuable. When you mm-hmm. had farming clients who you've been working with, I'm sure there's been some really positive outcomes in their businesses from getting back and focused mm-hmm. on soil health and, and that whole system yeah. approach. What sort of positive yeah. outcomes are you seeing in your clients' businesses and lives? Um, oh, I mean, yeah, some of, I mean, some of the, some of the results have just been remarkable and, and often it's looking at, I mean, our process looks at what's your limiting factor and, and work from addressing those limiting factors first. So people, you know, if they think about cropping, you know, they generally leap straight to the NPKs and it's like, is NPK actually your limiting factor? And what you find often is water is not going in, yeah. um, soils are compacted and tight. Well, air is going to be your number one limiting factor. So addressing why are those soils tight? Is it a mineral imbalance, a microbial balance? Is there something off with the management? Um, and addressing that at the root cause. So, for instance, um, yeah, I've got an operation that's 24,000 acres of, you know, wheat and barley and canola, and they um, they had really, really tight soils. I mean, to try and dig in these soils, you needed a pitchfork to even just kind of dig holes. And, you know, they're doing a 1,000 acres of cover, cover crop that they're moving through those fields to try and open up those soils. But even the cover crop wasn't really addressing what that limiting factor was. And their limiting factor was due to the fact that they had over 40% magnesium, so really tight soils. So, you know, we put down the drill, we put a humate with, um, gypsum so we did like 30 kilos of the humate and 35 kilos of gypsum down the 
drill as a prill, so it went down beneath the seed. Well, within um, six weeks, those root systems were deeper than they'd ever seen those those plants grow. So they managed to penetrate straight through that um, that compacted, tight um, hard pan. And then what that then offered is here's a whole lot of nutrients that were never available in the current system. And so now those plants have got nutrients. Um, so what we got was uh, we got equivalent yields. They dropped their nitrogen from over 100 kilos of actual N down to 30 kilos per hectare. Um, we dropped their pesticides to only 5% of what they've been using. We dropped their herbicides by 30%. We dropped their fungicides by 100%. They just didn't no. need all of that extra add-on stuff. So in that first year of transition, they made a million dollars additional income. This year, they've made 1.5 million. And I, I can just see that that's just going to keep going for them because we're refining that system because so much of what's currently used um, in cropping is just wasted. It's just, if you look at nitrogen use, for instance, if you're a really, really good performer and you're really efficient with your nutrients and maybe you're applying nitrogen um, in split applications, you might get 35% efficiency. If you're not a very yeah. good farmer, you're getting about 5% efficiency. So there's so much um, nutrient losses um, and nutrient inefficiencies, especially if you think about phosphate as well. So yeah. what we're looking at is how do we increase the efficiency of what we're currently doing and really increase the health. Mm, mm, and how exciting mm. those sort of outcomes, you know, to, yeah. not only that profit, but there's also the increase in the natural capital in that business, in the soil right. health. And, and a yeah. lot of the time we forget to even put a dollar figure on that, but that would be amazing on top of that. So that's yeah, right. How that's exciting. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I think um, there's an ecosystem services paper, a couple that were done in New Zealand, and they showed that conventional agriculture, um, when they were comparing two of them, the conventional operation, even if you included the cost of the food that they were growing, provided zero dollars in ecosystem services. So that means, um, you know, greenhouse gases or nitrogen losses or, or uh, pollination or mm. um, insect control or whatever, they were providing zero and that's zero to the farmer and zero to the community, whereas the um, operations that were using regenerative practices were providing $4,500 per hectare in ecosystem services. Wow, so that's exciting. It's just, yeah, it's just mm. crazy. And what's really interesting is that we, there's more and more focus now on those ecosystem services. And because, you know, the cost of nitrogen, for instance, is someone downstream is paying for that or that's being paid for in terms of greenhouse gas emissions. Mm. So we're not, you know, if people continue to think like we're some isolated individual cell, it's just not true. I mean, we, we are interconnected. There are costs beyond the farm gate and someone's paying for that. So really, I think we're going to see more political interest in ecosystem services and, you know, what is happening with those pollinators? What is happening with some of these insects um, mm. beneficials? And they have a dollar value, you know, soil carbon has a dollar value. So um, I'm excited by some of the projects that are, that are getting going and, and, you know, producers see those benefits to them over time. You know, what Definitely. is happening with water holding capacity? You know, that has a dollar value. It yeah, so does. It. Yeah, it's mm. massive and it re re rewards you with compound interest as well when you right. put dollars in the bank of your natural resource base and your soil health, you get mm. rewarded over and over again, you know. So yeah. it's exciting to see that coming to the fore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Nicole, so 
what, who, I always like to ask the people on my podcast, who or what inspires you to do the work you do? And you know, your passion is obvious when we hear you talk. Um, mm-hmm. Who or what is your inspiration? <laughs> um, the people I work with yeah. are, are my inspiration. And I think um, to see uh, the changes that it makes possible in rural families just oh, lights me up. And it's been really interesting because I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment. And after interviewing farmers and ranchers, one of the last things that I'd say probably 90% have said to me at the end of it was the difference in terms of their lives in terms of stress. Mm. and just feeling like they have so much more peace of mind and so much more relaxation and they're not feeling this anxiety and stress and worry um, even if the season's not going well um, yeah. and just the difference that that's had in terms of how they interact with their kids and so I've interviewed quite a few kids now and it, that's really cool about how yeah how starting to think about soil health and starting to see more nutrient density and and improved health and crops and animals how that has impacted in home life for them and and feeling like their parents don't yell at them as much and feeling like they're not just kind of like these machines that have got to go out and you've got to do all this work and this has to be done or it's just like you know the sky is falling um and so that because when I travel I'm you know I'm living in people's homes a lot of the time and and it's just it's just so inspiring to, to be with people that um, are innovators and are changing, you know, what, you know, bucking the system, I guess. And, and really, you know, they've, they haven't got those shackles anymore about what will the neighbors think because mm. it's actually the neighbors that are the crazy ones if they're not really starting to look at resilience and really starting to think about entire health of those systems. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think a big part too is, is you know, is my son and kind of seeing, you know, that younger generation coming through and there's this attitude like, oh, they're the ones that are going to have to clean up things. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not committed to that. You know, I really think yeah. it's up to us and, the, you know, this generation, whatever generation, we all need to be kind of working collectively on, yeah. you know, how do we get the poisons out of food how do we grow nutrient dense food and how do we do that in a way that's profitable and keeps farming businesses Mm -hmm. alive and Mm -hmm. I think there's a conversation now that we can have um, as a community that probably wasn't even possible 10 years ago which is talking about things like what do you care about (laughs) you know like before it's like oh no we've got to suppress (laughs) that we're not talking about feelings are we yeah you know and and that's I mean you'd see this all the time in Australia I mean there's there's yeah, there's time for people to be really speaking up and speaking about what they care about. Yeah, and it's exciting. And I so get what you're saying about how much this impacts the stress and the health of the farm farming families because mm. what I see is the farmers that are on a more regenerative path and are looking in different directions are building resilience into their system, they have mm. the happiest farmers that I see. Yeah. They're more, yeah. as you said, really a lot less stress and a lot more mm-hmm. satisfaction from the work they do. It's almost like it's put the lifestyle back into farming. And oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and you see it. It's so yeah. obvious. And it yeah. really lights you up when you can see a farmer who loves what they do again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was um I was doing a workshop recently in a uh, a community in Montana. I was thought, you know, it was all, all let's say conventional, I don't know what the term is, but, um, you know, um, 
conventional cropping operators. So there were 30 of them and there were no women, which yeah. uh, has, was unusual. I don't think I've ever seen that. And we were talking about succession and I said, all right, so who wants to see their kids come back? And no one did. And I've never had a workshop like that before. And I just found mm. it really like an eye opener. And finally this big burly, you know, cropping guy mm. stood up and he goes, I'm so stressed. He said the the debt that we're carrying on this property, the amount of inputs that we're having to put in, we don't know what's happening with the climate. We don't know what's happening with, you know, harvest this season. He said, why would I want my kids to come back? And, Mm. you know, he was nearly crying and it was just like, whoa, that's so intense. And then I think here is the opportunity, which is how do we build soil? How do we get things regenerating? So when I talked about those operators that made a million dollars, their cost on um, like their their benchmark return um, or break even point was seven dollars a bushel. Um, conventional neighbors have to make forty five dollars a wow. bushel on canola to break even. So for them, even if they have like even if it's a rough season, even if they get hail or they get frost or they you know some you know Mother Nature does what Mother Nature does, they're still profitable. You know they they still aren't kind of on their knees having to you know talk about talk to the bank manager Mm. and um that that brings a real you know you don't have that burden hanging over you like this anchor dragging you going holy we have to get this much crop Mm. we have to get this much yield uh, to even keep your head above the water and it's like okay we really need to be skimming the fat off this and looking at yeah what what are we spending because a lot of the stuff is not about um farmers winning who wins out of this is the supply companies and the banks and the chemical companies exactly it's really not set up for farmer farmers to win and i think um we all collectively need to stand up and say that's enough actually who Mm -hmm. needs to be being rewarded out of all this and being paid for this as the farmers not all the vampires on the outside Mm -hmm. so um yeah, oh, sorry. Man, I wise. agree. <laughs> when the farmer is rewarded, everyone else benefits. Like, yeah, just you know, it'll flow through our communities and it'll flow through our health as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything yeah. wins. Then environmentally, yeah. it's just a it's a no brainer, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's yeah. exciting times that you know there's so much happening in this space. Um, yeah. I if we've got farmers listening and they're starting to go, yeah, I'd like to maybe start looking at doing things differently. Are there any good uh-huh. resources that they could, that you recommend that, you know, books or different people um, that might be useful? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, there's some really great courses out there. I do, I do like Graham Sates mm. four day course. I mean, you know, there's an Australian who's doing a brilliant job as an educator. Um, uh, you know, and, and there's just, yeah, go to workshops. There's some yeah. absolutely fantastic um, speakers out there and they're coming through on a regular basis. Um, I saw Victoria No-Till, I think this year has done like seven different events with regenerative um, sort of proponents. So, you know, I think getting yourself along to some of these intensive classes where you can really dig a bit deeper and understand more, you know, and be able to observe visual assessments and things. Yeah. I think there's some brilliant podcasts out there. Um, yes. So I think even just to put regenerative agriculture in, um, YouTube videos, there's so many resources out there that are online or, but I think for, you know, a lot of people are busy. So podcasts are often, you know, a good way to, yeah. to, because you can listen to it in your tractor or while you're driving. Um, Acres USA is something that 
probably early on I used to use a lot of because Acres USA have um, have a conference every year and they record the whole thing so there's like 70 hours of listening pleasure um, <laughs> into, awesome. into different topics so um, yeah yeah I I mean, I just think that we, we're almost, we're in an information overload um, yes. society now almost. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's no excuse to kind of like, okay, what, what are you interested in and what do you want to learn more about? Yeah. And, um, and, and speaking yeah. of workshops, we have you coming to Australia in October. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, oh, good. Yeah, and you're going to be doing a few different workshops at three different locations. Um, yeah. We're unfortunately going to i'm sort of organizing a workshop with you at bingara in northern new south wales mm, looking yeah. at resilient soil systems um mm -hmm. is there anything you'd like to say about you know you've got workshops at bingara toowoomba and bansdale in victoria um yeah. anything you'd like yeah. to mention about what what treats and what um people will get from coming along to those well i mean i think the the bingara workshop will be great because we'll have a smaller you know it'll be yes. more focused on um you know what people's questions are specifically and really looking at what does it mean to have a resilient system and what are some of the things that we can actually measure and observe for ourselves and you know what are the keys in building resilience and i think it's i mean obviously a pretty hot topic right now you guys have had a pretty miserable mm. um season and you know, these are opportunities to look at, okay, how do we, how do we really build resilience? Because if we don't have resilient agricultural systems, there's, there's going to be no agriculture, you know, it's just, no. um, so yeah, I think, I think that'll be a really good fun class. Um, the one in Toowoomba um, is more conference style, but it's with, um, you know, Don Huber and yes. uh, Walter Yearn are going to be there and, oh, it's going to blow yeah. some socks off, you know, <laughs> and I think really, um, you know, really, between the eyes in terms of all right what, what what is the current state of what's happening with agriculture and what's happening with water and carbon and and yeah what what can we do so i'll be presenting a lot of um yeah big scale case studies in terms of how is it that we can do these things um yeah so yeah yeah um, I'm, I'm oh and alice avery's coming and speaking for the dinner so yeah. i mean ah if yeah. you're not there you're going to be crazy because yes yeah i'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> I'm excited. Um, and then the, the Barnsdale event, I, I'm not sure if it's open to the public yet. I think they're, they're sending out invitations for yeah. just to kind of like get more local community people along. Um, but they've done great events in the past. They've got a group called Top Soils that, um, yeah, have, have really been working and mentoring with farmers. And, you know, I'm excited by what's happening in Australia. I think, um, you know, the catchment management authorities and land care groups really are and you know the no-till organizations are really getting in behind um yeah there's resilience in soil health and you know if that's cover crops or biostimulants or compost or whatever um yeah so finding that what's what's the right fit for your operation so in the in the day um at um, Bingara, we were going to really look at you know what's your limiting factor what is putting yeah. the drag on your system right now where do you start and that's often the biggest, the, yeah, it's the biggest hurdle is just that first step. Where do you start? Mm, um, and and where, yeah. yeah, what's the next best action I can take to move my system? Yeah. 
in and yeah. I guess for those of us around the areas that have been you know not getting enough rain for the last year <laughs> it's mm. also when it does rain capturing every drop and making it work for you and, and what you can yeah. start to do to make that system hang on to the moisture and use it to mm -hmm. grow plants and grow soil and and build that resilience in mm. yeah so it's mm. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've just um I, I've got a few clients where we've been um looking at what's happening with infiltration and their infiltrations increased by fourfold. Wow. You know, in a three year period. And then one of them I said to him, How much rain did you get? And he goes, All of it. <laughs> I'm like, ah, awesome. awesome. <laughs> that's what that's what we wanna be saying. And and currently I think most producers could couldn't even get close to claiming that no. you know you're getting you know you, you might be on a 10 inch rainfall and actually your effective rainfall is only two hmm. <laughs> you know and you go how are you even growing a crop I mean yeah. just blows your mind but we need to be making the most of every single drop of moisture and we need to be thinking in terms of whole catchments and yes. and what's happening in in our and you know on on your piece of land and and do you even know so mm. i think that class will appeal wherever your level of knowledge is you know although there's some very experienced people in your area mm. and there's also people that this is new for so i yeah. think there's value with having people that have different level of experience and that we can have a deeper conversation and we can have um yeah catch people up and mm. yeah get get people on hopefully on the same page yeah and so i think um the day in bingara will be very interactive yeah. um and if you've got specific questions that that really will be the class to bring those specific questions to so yeah, yeah. i'm excited and it would be great to be in those facilities it will be it's going to be really exciting and i'm really excited to be on board with integrity soils and to be here to mm. support those people who come along to these workshops and, and want to move in a new direction to know that yeah. i'm here now in australia to work yes. with the integrity source um, coaching and consulting approach to keep that momentum going for these people who yeah. come along. So it's really exciting times and, and lots to be um, learning and, and meeting new people and mm. getting inspired by. So it's going to be great fun. Yeah. October's not that far away. <laughs> so no, it's not that far away. You know, I'm in Seattle right now and yeah. it's a beautiful day here and thinking by the time I get to New Zealand and Australia, it would have warmed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. So I guess, thank you so much, Nicole, for, for your time today and for, and you know, that great chat. I've always enjoyed speaking with you and I'm sure our listeners have got a lot out of it as well. Is there any one simple action, you know, that people can think about doing now to, you know, take to move their farm business in a more regenerative space is there something very simple and basic hmm. there's so many simple and, I know. Basic <laughs> <laughs> and it's always like what you know what what are your current practices now and I guess looking at where where are you spending your money right now or where are you not spending your money um, mm. and looking at how do we increase the efficiency with currently what is going on where's your big spend yeah. um, and you know how I guess asking those questions, how would this work in nature is, you know, am mm. I aligning myself with it or am I pushing up against it? Um, yeah. yeah. So I start to observe yeah. nature and, oh, yeah. and how can I align better with what's going to work in nature than, than fire? Yeah. 
yeah yeah that's right that's yeah. right and I've, I've I've had a couple guys call me and say I ruined me and I'm like what do you mean and they're like we we'll never look at weeds the same way or pests <laughs> the same way because you start to see actually they're indicating something they're telling you something yeah. and if you can start listening and then responding to what those indicators are you can do those weeds and pests out of a job yeah um, and we'll certainly talk about that at Bingara you know like mm. what what are these things signaling how exciting yeah 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 it is it is it's really fun and really rewarding and and visual you can see this stuff for yourself so yeah well thank you nicole and thanks for joining us and for people who want more information on um the workshops that are coming up in australia you can head to the integrity soils website www.integritysoils.co.nz yeah hopefully we'll see lots of you there Thank you so yes. much. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Kim, and thanks for being part of the team. Excited. It is exciting. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, bye. All right, thanks. Bye.